0: You're listening to the Kicking Out Podcast, a weekly pro wrestling podcast focused around all elite wrestling, hosted by Tanner Lee and Paul Zartman, two passionate all elite wrestling fans. If you like what you hear, please click subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kicking Out Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels. Enjoy the show. What's going on, pro wrestling world? Welcome to the Kicking Out Podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Tanner Lee, along with another host, Paul Zartman. We're both huge, passionate wrestling fans, but especially when it comes to all elite wrestling. Paul, we've talked about doing this for probably half a year or so, and now we're finally getting around to doing. it.
1: Yeah, we first started talking about this right before COVID hit, and then it was like, you know, Everything with COVID, we just we can't do it right now. And finally, it just seemed like the right time to do it.
0: Yep, yep. It's the start of the new year, 2021. You know, we still don't have live fans at the shows yet. Um, I wanted to do it before the fans come back because I think it'd be a really fun podcast once we're in the groove and the fans do come back. But uh, we're both big, passionate wrestling fans, um, which leads me to... One of, I got, I got a series of questions here to let our listeners and viewers get to know us a little better. Uh, Paul, how long have you been watching pro wrestling?
1: Oh, I, I've been watching pro wrestling uh, since '93. Oh, wow. Give or take. So, yeah, started out um, just watching little things and then watched as Monday Night Raw really became a. Staple and everybody's home on Monday nights, watch the WCW Monday night wars. So it's been a long time.
0: Yeah. I I can't say I've watched it as long because when in 1993, I was one year old, Uh, but, uh, but um, I actually stopped watching wrestling two different periods of my life. Um, I started, Oh gosh, it was probably, I don't know if it was 97 or 98 I was like in first grade I mean when you know wrestling was as hot as it's ever been you had the (laughs) NWO and the WCW you had you know Austin the Rock uh, everybody doing their thing over in the WWF the attitude era so I watched it for a while and then it got to about I don't know if it was late 99 or early 2000 and my parents knew I knew I watched wrestling but they decided to tune in one night and then we'll see what's going on and it was a segment with some divas, and there was some oh. really edgy, raunchy stuff going on, and they pretty much decided from there I shouldn't be watching it. I wasn't old enough, which, looking back, I understand why the, why they made that uh, decision, but it bummed me out. So I actually took a break from about 2000 to, I'd say about 2003. Um, I don't know, I was just flipping through channels one night, and I saw that uh, Goldberg was making his debut in the – WWE, so it was oh, right yeah. after was right after WrestleMania nineteen when he speared The Rock, and I started watching. And by that time, my parents didn't really care. I mean, it wasn't as edgy as it was um, in the late nineties and about two thousand ish. So I started watching it, and um, you know that was the year of Kane unmasking the road to WrestleMania twenty. Um, you know the return of the dead man, all that good stuff. Um, so then I watched it from about there through probably up to WrestleMania 23, and then for whatever reason, when I got into high school, I kind of stopped watching for a while and didn't really watch it through high school, and then I got to college. Once again, it was uh, in 2011. It was my freshman year in college. I'm flipping through the channels, and I see The Rock return to the WWE, and I'm like, The, the Rock was was my favorite wrestler growing up, Now that he's back for the first time since uh, WrestleMania 20, I'm like, I'm going to, you know, see what this is about. And then he started feuding with Cena, and I I was hooked all over again, and I haven't haven't stopped since. So that's kind of my background of my wrestling uh, viewership.
1: So did you catch it when The Rock came out and sang to Vicky Guerrero then?
0: Absolutely.
1: Okay, okay. That's good, because that was... one of my favorite rock segments of all time. So.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I watched pretty much right when the Walt Rock was announced as the special guest host of um, WrestleMania twenty seven. I started watching Raw every week up until, you know, WrestleMania. And then they had the the you know, he cost Cena the title against the Miz in the main event. And then of course feuded with Cena throughout the next year leading up to the once in a lifetime match it was billed, but you know that was a lie looking <laughs> yeah. back on it. So uh yeah, yeah. So I'm glad I was I'm glad I caught it on the right night I did back in two thousand eleven because uh it's brought a lot of joy and entertainment back to my life the last decade.
1: Yeah, the last uh the last decade's kind of been dodgy when we talk about WWE just because they wanna to listen to the fans, but it's like they're trying to get away from that edginess that they had in the nineties that the fans are going, well, you were the best in the 90s. And it's like, well, look at all this stuff we have.
0: Correct. And and hold on to that thought that one of my questions in a little bit kind of leads into that. So, all right, next question. This is a tough one. What is your favorite match of all time?
1: Oh, my favorite match of all time um, would probably be Flair's retirement match with HBK.
0: Okay, interesting choice.
1: I, uh, I'm a big Flair fan. Uh, my papa actually met Rick Flair, and he passed away when I was really young. So, being able to watch Rick Flair, it just it was kind of still that little connection there between us. So, seeing that match, it, it brought the tears to your eyes, but at the same time you knew it was time for flair to retire
0: sure i just wish he wouldn't have had his running tna like he did but
1: yeah i wish when he retired he'd stay retired but he needed the he's money one of those that says yeah he's one of them that says oh i'm retired but i'm just still gonna wrestle
0: yep oh good answer though that's always an iconic one that's one i like to watch going back on the network from time to time uh my favorite match of all time, and, and it's funny now that I bring this up because I wasn't watching wrestling at the time, but I still love to watch the match, and it was a Rock Hogan, WrestleMania 18.
1: Okay, yeah, I remember that.
0: In Toronto. The yeah. fan the fan reaction is just unbelievable for yeah. Hogan that night. I mean, it just gives me goosebumps oh, yeah. every time I watch it.
1: And so. I think that was... The last time Hogan did the Hollywood Hogan, wasn't it?
0: Yes, because uh, Hall and Nash turned on him at, right after the match, and then uh, he teamed with The Rock. I think on the following SmackDown, brought the um, I think he brought the red and yellow back out that night. If not, it was the following week after that. So,
1: yeah.
0: So yeah, just from I'm a you know I'm a guy who goes for the big pops of the crowd, and and that was uh, that was one yeah. of them. Um, favorite wrestler of all time.
1: Um, I got two of all time. I would say Ric Flair, the connection with my pawpaw. And mm-hmm. then of course the rock, uh, the rock debuted as the rock and not uh, Rocky Maivia. And I was just sold on the character that night and never looked back.
0: Yep. mine mine is the rock as well. I mean, I'm a huge Dwayne Johnson fan. I watch all his movies. Um, even the tooth fairy, I watched it. Didn't say I like it, but I watched it, uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, like I said, that's what got me back into watching wrestling back in 2011. And uh, he's just so cool, such a cool guy. I don't know if he's able to do anything that's not cool. So uh, love it, love his uh, yeah. charisma, and he's great in the ring. And um, I do hope he comes back for one more match in the WWE eventually. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, in Hollywood in two years when uh, WrestleMania is going there. I don't know. We'll see. It's tough with his movie contracts anymore. I, I don't know if that's gonna be possible or not. So there was
1: talk of him coming back and I think it's kind of gotten pushed back a little bit, but
0: you, you don't want to waste it when you can't have a full stadium.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Favorite current wrestler.
1: Okay. Cody Rhodes. <laughs> um, I mean, I love everything Cody's done. I love the fact that he tries to keep his dad alive every single night. He's out there performing. You know, he is so proud of being a third-generation wrestler. He is just, he bleeds wrestling, basically, in my opinion. And so to watch him go out there and do the things that he does, whether it's do a moonsault off the back, off the top of a cage, or get 10 lashings from MJF, it just, it's Cody, and it, it works great.
0: Yep, and I, I'm not trying to match your answers, but, yeah, mine is Cody Rhodes as well. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys in AEW I could have put there, but uh, when it comes down to it, I get more um, invested in Cody matches than anybody else's. Um, I'm a big fan of the Bucks, too, but they're technically tag team wrestlers. So, so of course, yeah. I'm an elite elite fan. Yeah. Um, but, no, I thought Cody was underutilized by the WWE, um, and now he's getting oh, used yeah. like he should should have been. And and like 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 you said, he's just such a cool guy even away outside the ring. Um, I like how he runs the company, you know, as an EVP, and uh, just a lot of respect for him and Brandy and what they do for a lot of people outside the wrestling ring. So, uh, yep. this 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 question's tough here. This is one I change my answer to this one almost every year. Uh, what is your Mount Rushmore pro wrestling? Or who is on your mouth oh,
1: ouch yeah you know I've been giving this a lot of thought um I think I'm just i'm I'm gonna have to go flair the rock Cody and Kenny Omega
0: wow okay okay I didn't uh, I, I I was gonna guess flair was on there but the uh um, the Rock doesn't surprise me too much, but Cody and Kenny do surprise me.
1: Just what they've done in Cody's short amount of time of being actually able to be Cody and not one of Vince's guys that he just doesn't want to use very much. And he's only there because of who his dad is. Um, and then Kenny, I mean, he's just, he's had match after match that's just absolutely fantastic. And Let's not forget, I think Kenny is still the only person to be at every single taping of Dynamite.
0: That is true. That is very true. So good points. All right. My four, um, Flair as well. I mean, he's the 16-time world champion. How can I mean, he was great in WWF, WCW, WWE. Um, not so much in TNA, but that's okay. No. Um, Hogan is on mine. I mean, he revolutionized the business. Um, uh, I yeah. mean, you can, you can, you can get into his backstage politics and everything and not want to put guys over, but I'm just, I'm just going off guys I've seen too. I'm not putting like Bruno on my list. Cause I, I never watched him. Um, right. Stone, stone cold, Steve Austin is on my list. I mean, he's, you know, six time WWF world champion and he made wrestling hotter than it's ever been. And he's probably the most popular wrestling figure of all time. Um, still popular today. Yeah. And the fourth is the one I'm always changing, almost every year. But right now, I'm going with the Undertaker.
1: I can agree with that. I can. I mean, agree. he's 30, had 30 more years of, of a career,
0: and, and he just now hung up the yeah. boots, and he has a not interesting podcast yeah, out there right now.
1: Done wrestling, even yeah. Waited until he was done wrestling to even have a kid because he didn't want to be away from the kid while they were growing up. Um, I know they kind of try to keep him and Michelle try to keep her off of social media. So she's not walking somewhere and go, Oh, you're the undertaker's kid. And you know, things like that.
0: Yep. Yep. And so. I mean, like I said, 30 years in the business, the, the WrestleMania streak, of course, 21 in a row. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, just, just now finished up this past year. And now he's doing more interviews, more uh, podcasts. He's He was on the latest episode of the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm still not done with it. It's a pretty long interview, but uh, it's been pretty good so far. I have read where he says some controversial things, so I'm interested to, to hear the rest of the interview. But, uh, yeah, he's one. I, I've swapped HBK in there. I've had The Rock in there. Um uh, you know, Savage, I've thought about Randy Savage at times There's cool. a lot of names, but yeah. But right now I, I, I just, I go with Taker for right now Even John Cena, yeah. I've I've thought about him I mean, he's, so, I don't, there's yeah. a lot of good I mean, Randy Orton, I can make a case for Randy Orton I, I don't think he gets enough credit good. So, um, No. It, a lot of good art
1: long since, Yeah, it's been way too long since Orton had a good title run Just throwing that yep. out there
0: <laughs> yep. He's the one thing in WWE you put him he, he keeps evolving and he, he's building good stories all the time. So even even currently. Yeah. Um uh what made you get into AEW All Elite Wrestling?
1: Being the elite, honestly. Um my dad stumbled across it somehow and he kept saying, you know, oh check this out, check this out, check this out. Finally sat down. Uh, I think they had just wrapped the first year of shooting BTE. And so I was kind of watching some of the old episodes, really started getting into it, really started enjoying the guys that were on it. That's where I learned who the Bucks were, uh, who Kenny was, you know, got to see Cody do stuff. Uh, Marty, I don't know if we can, if we should mention him or not, but he was on the you show, can mention him. Was a great aspect for the show. <laughs> Um, and you know, I just, they said, we're going to start a wrestling company and, and I was burnt out on WWE going through another spell where I wasn't watching wrestling just because it was the same storylines over and over again. I'd see the card for raw. I go, okay, here's who's going to win here's who's going to lose. And I was right 95% of the time. And so when these guys came together and said, we're going to start a wrestling company and this is what we're going to do. I, by golly, I was all for it. I had uh, a friend of my wife's print stickers. So I had a bumper sticker on my car before they even had their first pay-per-view underway.
0: Yeah, I I can kind of relate a little bit. Um, I got to the point where, I mean, I would have Monday night Raw on, on, of the WWE and, but it was mostly background noise. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, it was redundant stories and I yeah. felt like they were, um, you know, kind of making fun of my intelligence almost, or, or not taking my, I, I it just felt like some of the storylines was like, they ex- expected you to think everything made sense and it just didn't. And it was hokey. And so I got to the point where I was almost yeah. done watching pro wrestling. Um, Until about All In happened. And then, you know, I was reading, uh, I think it was WrestlingInc.com and read all about All In. And, of course, I knew Cody Rhodes. And I kept hearing the name, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. Didn't know much about them. So I started researching them. And I was, like, watching some stuff on YouTube. I'm like, man, these guys are good. And then, of course, uh, they uh, started watching BTE in very early or late uh, 2018, right before the announcement of the AEW. And then they announced the AEW. And I was like, all right. I'm hooked. I'm going to follow these guys. This company sounds cool. I knew of Tony Khan and his dad, Shad Khan, of owning the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm a big sports fan, so I was, I was yeah. um, familiar with their name. I was like, okay, they got some good money back in here. And uh, off they went. And then you know, I followed the BTs and the Road 2s all the way up to Double or Nothing. Bought the pay-per-view, which was the first pay-per-view I've probably ever bought because I don't count the network pay-per-views. I mean, I subscribed to the network back in 2014 and and then you just get the pay-per-view so it was the first pay-per-view i actually had bought for 49.99 and um yeah just they they hooked me that night i thought it was the best pay-per-view i'd ever seen in my life up to that point
1: yeah and the storytelling has been great from day one in my opinion
0: Yep, I mean, I mean they're just like every other company. They got some bumps here and there, and some things I don't really enjoy, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But, uh, but for the most part, yeah, I love it, and it's long term creative storytelling, and a lot of little details. If you miss that, uh, they can de- they definitely intertwine in there. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's get right into this last week's action. Well, we'll start off with being the elite, since that we're kind of just talking about that, um. Actually, I take that back. I got one segment I want to do before that. I got some on this day, on this day facts that Uh happened in wrestling history. Um, I will get through these really fast. But on this day, on uh, January 21st, 1990, Hulk Hogan won the Royal Rumble match. This is the only time a reigning WWF slash WWE champion has won the Royal Rumble.
1: Yeah, because they kind of made it... um... If you're a champion, you're not allowed to be in the Rumble.
0: Correct. Correct. And then a few years ago when uh, the championship was vacant, that's when Triple H threw reins over the top rope. Um, I think that was on the road to WrestleMania 32, if I'm not mistaken. On this day in 1992, Jesse the Body Ventura made his WCW debut at Clash of Champions um, 18. Hmm.
1: I didn't realize. Wow.
0: And, of course, he'd go on to be the governor of Minnesota.
1: Oh, of course.
0: And then he made a uh, appearance in SummerSlam um, as a guest referee. I don't remember what year that was, if it was 98 or 99. I cannot remember off the top of my head. No, I can't either. Uh, on this day in 1996, HBK, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, won the Royal Rumble match for his second time.
1: Yep. First one to do it for the second time, too, if I remember correct.
0: Correctly. On this day in 2001, Stone Cold Steve Austin won the Royal Rumble match for the third time. He's the first one to do it three times, and I think he's the only one to win it three times, yep. if I'm not mistaken. And um, on this... Oh, I go think ahead.
1: you might be right. I... Oh, I was just saying, I think you might be right on that. Yeah.
0: I think so, but um, there have been multiple guys to win it twice, so that's where I kind of get confused. Yeah. And on this day last year, Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page defeated SEU, the team of Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian, on the Rockin' Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2, on the Dynamite episode to win the AEW Tag Team titles.
1: That was the uh, same episode that MJF got super kicked into the pool, if I remember correctly.
0: They threw him in the pool.
1: Oh, yeah, threw him in, not super yep. kicked him, threw him in, yep.
0: yeah. Yep, that was a fun episode. Uh, man, that seems like a long time ago. That seems like more than a year ago. Um, yeah. But I know Chris Jericho has his cruise part three set up for October. Hopefully things are good enough by then that that can happen and Dynamite can take place because that was a really neat episode.
1: Oh, yeah, one of – two of the best episodes or one of the best episodes.
0: And that's, uh, that's one, uh, another bummer of course, of 2020, 2020 and the pandemic is it would, I would have liked to seen what other unique episodes and venues that AW is going to have put on and and travel to. I'm sure there was a list, but, uh, we'll never know.
1: That's one bad thing about, um, starting when they did is they had no clue this was coming and they had so much planned and everything just got put on stop.
0: Yep. Just like everybody else, but they never paused. They kept uh getting nope. through it. Even, even if they had to tape uh six episodes of dynamite in like 24 hours when they did in, in Georgia before the yeah. nation went mm-hmm. on, down. So
1: yeah, I could not imagine six episodes in 24 hours. I'd, oh,
0: mm, yeah. But kudos to them; they did what they had to do. And if they didn't, I don't know if we'd be sitting here talking about <laughs> all eight wrestling. So, all right, this week's BTE. It started with a clip uh, showing the Young Bucks getting duped by uh, Don Callis, Kenny Omega, and the Good Brothers, uh, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson last week when the Young Bucks thought they were a team with Kenny Omega. And Callis said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're gonna we like your intro. We want you to do your intro separate from Kenny." Um, and little did they know. He called out the Good Brothers instead, and so the Unbucks confront them with their gear on backstage. Kenny says he didn't put the team together, and he said, uh, he said he, and he's even coming to Don's defense. The Good Brothers said they didn't know they were even wrestling; they were just stopping by to see what was going on, and and end up getting in the ring. And yeah, they go back and forth a little bit. Nick Nick Jackson ends up saying, "Well, all right, we're cool as long as it wasn't planned." They do the the two sweet, and then when uh. The, Gallows Anderson and Kenny walk away. Nick asked Matt, uh, Do you think that they were lying to us? Matt said, Yes. Yes. So then we get a uh, segment in the dark order layer. Uh, they're planning gifts and party stuff for uh, Adam Hangman Page as uh, We'll talk here as they're going to be teaming up and, and find out his answer if he wanted to join the Dark Order. Hey, man, shows up and goes, hey, guys, what's going on? And just gets yelled at, get out of here, hey, yeah. man, get out, get of, out, here. out of here. Do do it? So he leaves, yeah, and then, then they go back to celebrating and yelling and stuff. So uh, the Dark Order, yeah. it's, a, it's amazing how far they've come since a year ago at this time, and we can thank the late, great Brody Lee for that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the best thing, in my opinion, was them getting – segments on bte like they did it helped really put them over even before brody became a part of the group and started appearing on
0: bte yep absolutely then we see a segment between the bunny and um brandon cutler um short segment didn't do much for me but they uh, kind of waved no. to each other and then uh bunny flips him off behind his back and i was like okay um it, it all stems back to the um Oh, what game did they play? And then and uh, Brandon uh, murdered uh, the bunny. I don't remember. It was a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, um, I'm drawing a blank on it.
0: Uh, but we'll move on. We'll move on for the next segment. It was uh, a private party was shown, and they weren't happy with uh, their manager, Matt Hardy. Big money, Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy is fantastic at evolving his character. I am really enjoying Money Matt. He's such a, a carny heel. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, but Matt's upset that Quan uh, called him a money grabbing carny. And Matt says they are dumb, but he will fix it. <laughs> says they need to win their match on Dark by any means necessary. Uh, yeah, then we get a our-
1: uh, Private Party doesn't really want to seem to be too much of a heel at this point in time they, they want to stay face they don't they want to win clean
0: correct correct and of course matt's going to take a good percentage of their profits from their match um yeah then we get then we get chris statlander abducting brian pillman jr to pretty much just study him evaluate him and it ends up with uh statlander kicking him out of her spaceship what do you think about this segment
1: Any segment with Statlander is always interesting just because she is always in character. I mean, she does not break character, whether she's injured, just got done wrestling. It doesn't matter. She's one of those few wrestlers who stays in character through everything. I mean, in the age of social media, you know what you see on TV isn't always who that person is. But for Chris, it's like it has to be. She has to be the alien at all times. So just getting, even you know, even though it was just a, a workroom, she wanted to make sure that. Well, this is my spaceship. Why are you in here? You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's enjoyed
1: good- Statlander segments.
0: That's a good point. That's a a good point of it. I, I I like Brian Pillman Jr. I really hope that he does sign a full-time AW contract. I know him and MLW that I I don't know what his contract, I don't know what's going to happen when the pandemic uh, gets better, but um, yeah, we'll see where this goes. Interesting, interesting uh, segment. I'm ready just to see her return. Hopefully it's uh, sooner rather than later. I agree. Then we had a weird exchange between pretty Peter Avalon and uh, Leva Bates. Of course, they both used to be the librarians. Um, I don't really know what to say about it. It was just weird. So,
1: Yeah, it's like almost like Peter was crawling back to her. Like they broke up and Peter realized he screwed up. So he wanted to go crawling back and hope he could get back in goods with her.
0: I mean, I'm still not a huge Peter Avalon fan, but I like his uh, pretty Peter Avalon gimmick a lot better than um, The Librarian, to be honest Yeah Then we see uh, Luchasaurus and Brandon Cutler pretty much talking trash to each other to pump up their uh, upcoming matchup on Dark the following night Um, I don't know, it was a bunch (laughs) of dragon and dinosaur stuff I I don't know
1: (laughs) Dinosaurs are real dragons are not
0: yep, yep. that's the conclusion they came came to. Then another Leva Leah Bates, uh, Leva Bates segment. Uh, Kip Sabian talks to Leva Bates. Leva admits she let Kip win a few weeks ago when they played some video games. Kip gets mad and challenges her to one more challenge, which she accepts. So we will uh, see where that goes. Um, and then of course, we have the BT champion John Silver. Defending it against his tag team partner, Alex Reynolds. And I gave him a game of beer palm. They're playing with bottle caps instead of ping pong balls and white claw instead of beer. Um, they film a lot of these like in the very early hours of the morning before they get on their flights. So uh, they didn't feel like going out to get ping pong balls. So they play with bottle caps. And that had to be very challenging.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I tried to throw a bottle cap today just to see and it it did not work out very well.
0: And uh Johnny Hungy, Johnny Silver uh beat defeated Alex Reynolds, so we'll see who he uh defends the title against next.
1: Longest reigning BTE champion.
0: That belt is really cool. That's a cool design.
1: Oh yeah. I'm glad Cutler went out and got
0: that made for him. Uh Sammy Guevara got one made too and pulled a rib on the Young Bucks about a month ago. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of the unbucks, they wrap up. They have the last segment of BTE. Uh, we see them leaving their locker room, their brand new EVP locker room to catch their flight. Big money. Matt Hardy comes in to check on how they're doing. they tell Matt that the key to the door didn't work. Um, they had to get a locksmith. Hardy said, yeah, it was in the contract and that he was the only person that could use the key to lock and unlock the door. And he also said he wants his thousand thousand dollars a week for the rent. And, uh, you know they're shoot millionaires so they can, they can afford it so uh the bucks end up paying them uh and then matt jack after matt hardy leaves matt jackson s- tells nick he's pretty sure that he signed a blank piece of paper and nick says yeah we're just stupid baby faces now
1: yep uh, i really like that statement from nick um, you know it's like they're they building something big for the young bucks and it's going to start on bte it's going to carry over to dynamite and nobody's going to be prepared when it happens
0: yep i i already have a theory of what's going to happen but i'm not even going to say it yet because i think (laughs) i'm probably so far off um because that's what another thing i love about aw i have trouble predicting it um in the last five years watching wwe i could predict a lot of storylines that hadn't even happened yet and out comes the matches and it just, it was just getting so boring.
1: Yep. Yep. That's, you know, we talked about doing predictions at some point during the podcast and it's just going to be that it's just going to be predictions. We're not going to be sitting here going, Oh, well, this is exactly what's going to happen. I hope this happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We can hope and, 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 you know, kind of theorize, but uh, it's going to be basically, Subject A is going to beat Subject B. So, Yeah. Um, why don't you talk about AEW Dark a little bit? I got to admit, I did not catch any of Dark this week.
1: Um, I didn't catch much of Dark, but I read on it. Um, the one match I did go back and watch was Luchasaurus and Brandon Cutler. I mean, it's the shortest build for a feud in AEW history. I mean, they <laughs> had like a week and a half, two weeks. So, I was curious to see, and I mean, Luchasaurus beat him in under six minutes, and Luchasaurus was just dominant through the whole thing. I mean, Cutler had some offense, but not much. So, we really got to see that dominating factor from Luchasaurus, which I really, really enjoyed.
0: As we should, Um, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, Luchasaurus definitely needs to be dominant. He's been that way in the tag matches. You know, if he's in there, you might as well count it a win. But that's one thing, again, that I like about AEW. The big guys don't always win. So, it's 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 nice to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, Sammy Guevara De was in action. Um, he won. I mean, a lot of matches, and most of them were under 10 minutes. I mean but that
0: that's my problem with dark and I understand why they're doing it. It's for the enhancement talent, mostly, you know, get some guys out there to who are green to get some work, which I'm all for. But man, when you're having 16 matches and it's two hours, two and a half hours, if I'm gonna watch it, I'm probably just picking choosing my spots.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here looking through this. Um there were two matches over six and a half minutes. One of them was uh, the Lucha Bros with Pac defeating the Chaos Project in the main event, which we talked. We're not exactly sure why Chaos Project's in the main event. (laughs) And then the other one um, was Scorpio Sky. And Scorpio defeated Nick in seven minutes and four seconds. Uh, We saw Nick on Dynamite. Last night. Um, So, I mean, he did pretty good last night and he held his own pretty well from what I read. Um, The other match that we got to talk about, and that's Private Party and Matt Hardy, who defeated Lee Johnson and Aaron Solo. And I probably just mispronounced his last name, but
0: no, it's Aaron Solo. You got it right. Okay.
1: (laughs) Again, he's one of those enhancement guys and I just I'm, I, didn't know who he was but
0: I think I well he he dates Bailey into WWE for one he's, okay. he's boyfriend, and two I think he's going to be the next member of the nightmare family I think
1: he'd be a good fit
0: mm-hmm.
1: but um yeah so there was a tweet from Matt Hardy uh Tuesday night that you were t- uh telling me about that uh I, I agree with it definitely happened, but it doesn't need to happen. And you got to see that match between uh private party on impact.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk about impact real quick. Um, I only watched two segments. It was the opening segment and the main event opening segment. It's all um, the good brothers out in the ring, kind of celebrating their, their win at hard to kill them and Kenny Omega over, um, Rich Swan, Moose, and Kip Sabian. It was not Kip Sabian. Chris Saban. Excuse Chris me. It was supposed to be the same thing. Don't worry. It was supposed to be Saban and Kel and uh, Alex Shelley of the Motor City Machine Guns, and Rich Swan. But Alex Shelley, I'm still not sure what's going on with him. He he said it's not COVID related, but that for the safety of him and everybody else, he couldn't make the trip hard to kill so moose got the spot so the good brothers were kind of bringing that up because saban came out and said you know he wanted a rematch he wanted to shot the titles well they said you don't even have a partner Out comes cowboy james storm and uh him him and saban are ready to take him on and then all of a sudden matt hardy's music hits and matt hardy rolls out with private party in private party, which sets up private party against Sabin and Storm in the number one contenders match for the Impact Tag Team titles for the main events. Main event rolls around. Well, I should say, before the main event, we saw a uh, commercial, uh, another ad that Tony Khan bought. And Tony Khan is with Jerry Lynn, and Tony takes his usual shots at Impact. And shows a couple hundred dollar bills and said, here's what I'm paying for this ad. Here's my money for next week's ad. And he goes, come on, Jerry, let's walk this way. Let's go watch the match. And it shows them walking into the impact zone. So they actually show up on camera. You see TK and Jerry Lynn scouting the match. And you see TK with his uh, Star Trek captain's log that he's taking yep. notes in. And towards the end of the match, Jerry Lynn hops the barricade, gets involved, and helps Private Party score the win. And become the number one contenders for the tag titles. That brings the good brothers out. The good brothers keep putting the titles in Private Party's face. Private Party keeps taking the titles and shutting them down, throwing them down. And then Sabin and Storm recover from their beatdown, and it turns into three teams brawling as Impact goes off the air.
1: So, do you think it'll be a three way match for the titles? If so, what do you think the chances of private party winning are?
0: I don't because they actually already announced the matchup today. It's uh, private party versus the good brothers for the tech titles at their pay-per-view in February, which is escaping my, I want to say it's no surrender. I believe is the, is the name of it. I could be mistaken there without looking it up, but uh, they announced that today. So, oh man, I don't know. I, I think I think they're doing this to keep the relationship and storyline going between Impact and AEW because Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers had a segment on there, or Kenny Omega and Don Callis and the Good Brothers, and Callis and Kenny said they're going to take a break for a little bit from Impact. they got some things they got to do in AEW, but that they'll be back, which I think we're going to see a story between him and Rich Swan at one of their pay-per-views coming up. I forget the name. They already released it, and it has the Kenny Omega symbol in the logo of it. So that tells me he's gonna be on that one. I think that one's in April sometime. Um, but uh, so I think this is just a way to keep that storyline and feud going between impact and um uh AEW, but I think the Good Brothers retain over Private Party.
1: Okay. So uh on to dynamite.
0: On to dynamite, yes. Um action-packed show last night it was uh live from daily's place of course started off with hangman page colt cabana john silver and alex reynolds of the dark order versus the hybrid sue and chaos Project Serpentico and dr luther um it was negative one's birthday so they had a cake set up yeah. and uh he comes out on 10 um 10 shoulders um and then uh, Dr. Luther comes out and pretty much said, the Chaos Project doesn't like kids. They don't like you, yada, yada, yada. A um, whole lot of nonsense, really. It just made me kind of roll my eyes. Then uh, then we get to the, to the match, a lot of back and forth going on. Um, I love yeah. how Hangman, the chemistry he has with the Dark Order, I think is really good. There's a lot of good spots here, including before the match, Hayman coming out of the tunnel and jumping off the entrance ramp, doing a dive of some sort. Hayman has a lot of good offense, really shows off his strength in this match. Um, towards the end of the match, uh, Luther is outside brawling with Colt Cabana. He's looking to put Cabana through a table. And then negative doc- or uh, Negative one hits Luther with a kendo stick shot right between the eyes, that kick and swing yes. stick, as good as the Sandman could back in the ECW days. Oh yeah. um, And then Cabana then dumps Luther's face into the cake, which I got to laugh at. But at the same time, it's like, that's really corny because Luther just stood there with cake on him instead of trying to get back in the ring. Um, I did have yeah. to laugh at John Silver grabbing a piece of the cake and shoving it in his mouth after, after the match. That was pretty funny. But so back in the ring, the Dark Order destroyed Serpitsko. Uh, Page hit a buckshot lariat. Then Reynolds gets the pin with a, with a jackknife pin. Uh, that was a really cool spot there.
1: Um, oh, yeah, some great teamwork between the three of them right there.
0: Then after the match, uh, Dark Order wasn't done with the Chaos Project yet. They grabbed Serpentico, negative one, says he – he goes, you think you're going to ruin my birthday? He cracks Serpentico over the head with a Kendo stick. Another great shot right to the head. Um, I got to laugh at this. He then grabs the mic and tells the Dark Order that his birthday was actually three days ago, you idiots. And he grabs some papers and throws at Serpentico as they kick Serpentico into the tunnel. Uh, definitely shades of his father, Brody Lee. There, I love that.
1: Yep. Um Birdie Lee, negative one. Definitely kept it kid appropriate, though. Whereas if you watch BTE, you know exactly what Mr. Brody Lee would have actually said to the Dark Order.
0: Very well, very well put. Um and then uh the big moments. Um <laughs> we see um Johnny Hungy, Johnny Silver. Uh, just giving Paige a bunch of compliments, calling him handsome, says he thinks he's so great, uh, his hair looks great, all this stuff. It's kind of like a girl would tell a guy she has a crush on all these compliments. Yep. And then he gets down on one knee, which just cracked me up, <laughs> and asks yeah. Adam, Adam, will you join the dark order? Adam, you can see he's struggling on his face. He says, guys, I've been trying to tell you this for a while. You know, I've really enjoyed – working with you guys, being around you guys for the last few weeks, for the last few months, but I just can't. And just as some music plays, banners go up saying that he said, yes, the dark order can't believe it. And, uh, and, 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 and <laughs> We were seeing some shirtless cowboys coming out, a guy dressed like a horse, and Stu Grayson and an Evil Odor going and kicking the guys back into the tunnel. And, oh, I was just dying laughing. And and, and I misspoke. This is when Hayman says that uh, that he's had fun with them over the past few weeks. But he's done the gr- whole group thing before. It didn't end well for him. He apologizes to Silver. He heads up to the stage as the group tried to change his mind. But Paige heads off.
1: Yeah, Paige just wasn't having any of it uh they they even blocked the tunnel that he's been coming out of the entire time he's been in the company and he just he wasn't having it grabbed the bottle from stew and walks out the other side
0: that is true i forgot about it grabbing the bottle and and we should note that the dark order came out of the face tunnel tonight so i i think they are yes. faces which i think the company kind of had to go that direction. And I like how just let them kind of do their BTE stuff on Dynamite. I think that will really work. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. It ties the two shows together. And, you know, everybody's really become fans of the Dark Order because of BTE. So being able to see that type of stuff still happen on Dynamite, I think it's just the fans are going to love it.
0: Absolutely. Backstage, then we see Alex Marvez. Spoiler alert, this wouldn't be the first or the last time we'd see Marvez tonight. Uh, he's with Chris Jericho and MJF. Uh, he talk, He's talking to them about tonight's main event match. Uh, MJF tells Chris Jericho he's worried tonight's match could hurt the inner circle. Jericho doesn't think so. He thinks it'll make the group stronger. It'll decide which tag team moves forward to go after the AW tag team titles. Jericho says he fully believes him and MJF are going to win, which MJF agrees. And that they will eventually become the champs. Then after that, we see Steen, as Tony Shavadi says, <laughs> uh, uh, going to congratulate Darby Allen. Now, I will say, I, I, I love seeing the icons seen on my TV, but I don't think they need to use them every week.
1: No, no, maybe um, you know a video of him, but being present every single week, it's just not doing anything.
0: But there is an announcement that we will talk about here later during this rundown, which kind of makes sense to why they're using them every week. But uh, yeah. Steen comes out wearing a Brody Lee shirt, which I thought was fantastic because especially because Steen just had a new yeah. shirt drop, which he could have been wearing that, but instead he wears the Brody Lee shirt because Brody Lee's shirts already breaking records on pro dot awshot.com. All the proceeds are going to the Huber family, but other people who haven't bought it yet seeing Steen wear that is going to entice them to go buy one. So, awesome move on Steen's yep. part. Uh he comes out and then Darby Allen has his entrance. He comes out to the ring, they join Tony Schiavone. Steen is given the mic and says there's something about Allen that reminds him of himself. He gives Allen his first public congratulations on um Defending his TNT Championship, Steen says he didn't get involved last week to interrupt. He just wanted to make sure that Allen was given a fair shot against the Machine, Brian Cage. After Team Taz tried to get involved, then you see Taz come on the big screen. Taz is amazing on the mic. He's done, oh yeah, he's done great work since he joined the company. Taz says uh, Steen and Allen acted dirty last week with Steen bringing the baseball bat and Darby tying Brian. Uh, Cage's feet around, hawk tying around with his belt like he's a like he's a like he's a cow, pretty much. Um, and he said, uh, if you want to act dirty, how about they come to the streets? Tad tells him the ball is in your court now. Steen says something to Alan. Darby takes the mic. He says, You want to take it to the streets, Taz? Team Taz? Be careful what you wish for because it might just happen. And that leads me to today's announcement. We got our our first match for AEW Revolution. It's going to be representing Team Taz, Ricky Starks, and the FTW champion Brian Cage versus TNT champion Darby Allin and the icon Steen in a street fight. Paul, you got to think this is going to be a cinematic match, right?
1: It's got to be. I mean, there's no way Steen can go out there and be in that type of match At his age, in his condition, and that's, I mean, Sting's in great physical condition, but he's got health problems that prevented him from being successful like he needed to be when he was in WWE, and if he were to just be in a regular match, it's just going to hinder him in AEW, and I think Tony Khan shivani and everybody else wants to see sting be there for a long time so i mean this has got to be a cinematic match
0: lance and with the cinematic match he can do spots you know that are safely planned out and i just think it'll work a lot better and you can get i mean he signed a three year deal or so or whatever it was with aw and you can get a lot of longevity out of the cinematic matches i just cringe thinking about seeing him in a normal match because i go back to 2015 night of champions when he took that mm. buckle bomb and his uh his condition started, and I just I just don't want to see that. I don't want to see something bad happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like you said, you know, doing the cinematic match, this is a safe way to get Sting involved without having to worry about hurting him.
0: Exactly, so I'm all for it. It's going to be cool. Um, him and Darby, is going to be a heck of a team. Uh, I like that we got our first match for uh, Revolution already, which is on February 27th. Um, yes, Then we see uh, the young bucks meet up at Kenny Omega's house, which somehow Marvez uh, is just appears there, and uh, he just knew to be there, just knew to be there with a camera guy. Uh, But uh, then we see Michael Nakazawa greet them via elevator. Yeah, there's an elevator in this condo type beach house, and uh, they they want to see see uh, Kenny. So Nakazawa said, "We'll take you to them." Uh, so where they go into the living room and see a very disturbing oil painting of Omega and Callis shirtless abs. Ah, I don't know. It was just weird. Uh, it gave me nightmares. Uh, that's a good (laughs) way to put it. The young bucks aren't happy about what happened last week. Don Callis said he had someone in his ear. Can't hear very well. Um, they had to change some stuff on the fly. Callis says, uh, then they asked, where's Kenny. We want to talk to Kenny. Callis said, uh, Oh, Kenny can't make today's meeting, which annoys Matt and Nick. Matt, they say, really, at his own house? Um, Callus says Omega Omega had to change up his phone number because others were blowing it up. Um, Calus was surprised the Young Bucks didn't get it. Uh, Callus says he's glad they're here. They're welcome anytime. Come over for dinner. Callus then kicks out Marvez and the camera guy. Says, take him to the dungeon, Nakazawa, knock- which I got a kick out of. Um, but he said, leave the camera here. We can't have you record any of any Kenny's house. So then we're getting that kind of footage that Impact does a lot. We see we saw WWF doing it in the day with a hidden camera kind of angle. Um, and uh, then uh, let's see here. Uh, callus is talking with the Young Bucks about wor- working with Omega. Kallus uh, offers him a check. Uh, to as an investment in, in Omega, and the young bucks look at the number and say they made that merch last week. Callus forgot that they are huge success with merch, calls them merch guys. Callus gives them another another check, why saying great merch, by the way? I own a couple of those shirts. <laughs> and then uh, he says the young bucks are actually holding Omega back, they are um, ons, I believe he called them. Uh, Young Bucks says the company Callis works for, Impact Wrestling, they know uh, from previous experience from once working for Impact and know their checks are no good. Um, the Young Bucks rip up the checks. Callis calls the Bucks bloodsuckers. Matt and Nick then go to beat up Callis as the camera cuts out. You hear Callis yell no.
1: Yeah. it's a great segment. I mean, you see that and you think, okay, here we go again. You know, but it was something different. And my my favorite part of the whole segment was Matt saying, "You know, we used to work for that company, and uh, we know these checks are gonna bounce." So, I mean, it's just it was well done.
0: Exactly, and, and I I told you last night when I was texting you during the show that Callus is the perfect old school heel because. He makes me want to see him get the crap kicked out of him, but he also going back and rewatching Dynamite today. I rewatched it just to catch a few things I might have missed. He puts some good little one-liners in there and things that just make me yes. crack up. So he's a he's a good manager for Kenny. I think he's a good asset for him. So
1: yeah, yeah. One of Kenny's weaknesses has always been the mic. So to have somebody <laughs> like Callus by his side, it's going to make up for it.
0: Absolutely. We then have Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson against Peter Avalon, and Cody said he was going to beat Peter in under a minute on um, on Twitter. Yeah. And Avalon ran right into a crossroads right away, so I'm thinking, oh, Cody's got to win this thing. But instead of covering him, Cody kind of walks over to the ropes. Then Jade Cargill's music hits immediately after. Commentary mentions how Cody said he'd win the match in under a minute, like I just said. Uh, Cody looks at Car- Cargill as she, as she jaws at him. Then he turns around Avalon with a low blow kick below the belt as the referee is distracted. Cargill laughs and heads to the back. Um, then we see Avalon getting a lot of offense in. He's working on Kenny's leg throughout the match. Kenny's really selling a knee injury. Uh, during the closing part, Avalon sends Kenny to the floor Then hits a suicide dive. Avalon goes out and brings him back into the ring. Avalon runs into a Cody cutter, an actual Cody cutter off the ground, not off a springboard, which I think... Thought it looked really nice um, Cody then hit a, hit, a, hit a running forearm Then a closed line and then a power slam T- Takes off his weight belt like he usually Does launches into the crowd then Cody Gets him into the figure four Avalon flips it over for a mo- moment Cody then regains control Avalon slaps Cody in the face Cody gets a really angry look on his face Goes to slap Avalon and Avalon Decides to tap out
1: I think um I told you, I said, you know, that ending confused me and it did until I really thought about it. His current character is pretty Peter Avalon. So we, we don't want to injure the face. So there was a chance that that was going to happen. So he's like, you know, I'm going to tap before I get slapped in the face and any damage done.
0: Interesting. I didn't pick up on the, uh, that's a good, that's a good detail. I, I missed that. So, uh, um, but it was funny going back, rewatching the match day when I was actually looking for the tap out. The camera angle wasn't as bad as I thought. It still wasn't the greatest because you don't really see his hand tap, yeah. but you can hear it. When you're expecting it, you could hear it. So, um, eh, match was longer than I expected, but um, it's um, evolving the Cody Rhodes, Jay Cargill storyline, which... Then later on the show, they're previewing next week on Dynamite. Cody's going to respond to Shaquille O'Neal's comments made a few weeks ago. But that kind of confuses me because most of Shaq's comments were towards Brandy, not Cody.
1: I think it's going to be Cody being the husband, the soon-to-be father, sticking up for his wife. You know, you have no right to come out and say those things about my wife, that type of situation.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh, is this going to lead to a Cody Rhodes, Shaquille O'Neal match at, Re- uh, at Revolution?
1: I don't know if it'll be Revolution. I think it needs to be Revolution because they need to get this done and over with. It it doesn't make a whole lot of sense apart from Shaq said, I want to be in the ring, and Tony Khan said, okay, well, let's see what we can do for you. And Cody said, ah, I'll do it.
0: But, yeah, and it's uh, the crossover with um, – the NBA on TNT, Shaq being one of their in studio guys, it, it's actually pretty smart because it might be able to get some of those NBA fans um, to to check it out a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I just want them to get the program going and, and get it over with. I'm I i do not know about Shaq being in the ring. We've seen it before. Um, I think at one time it could have been really good, but he is older now. So
1: yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's he's he's past his prime. So yep. I don't think it's going to be very good in the ring. Unless, unless of course, it's a cinematic match. Then we can possibly see something good.
0: Uh, I, I don't want to see two cin- cinematic matches on the same card, but we might. We might. So Then we went backstage where FTR and Tully Blanchard are. Uh, they're talking about FTR being ranked the number one in the official rankings. Blanchard said they need the titles, though. That's the bragging rights. Jurassic Express busts into the room. Jungle Boy says he's sick of this and that he knows he can be either one of them. Dax Hardwood says he'll take Jungle Boy on -on one-on-one next week. Luchasaurus says everyone will be ringside. He will make sure nobody gets involved. Jungle Boy puts his hand out. Hardwood shakes it. Jurassic Express heads out of the room. Hardwood tells Wheeler, I got this, then throws a glass towards the door.
1: It definitely, to me... Luchasaurus's statement there again demonstrated that dominance that he has to say, you know, look, it doesn't matter. You guys can try all you want. I'm going to make sure you don't get involved.
0: Hmm. This could be a good match. I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm a big fan of Jungle Boy in the ring. I like both the FTR guys. I think they're great. Um, Looking forward to this one a lot next week. I think it'll be really good. Yeah. Uh, That gets us to – John Moxley's first entering action since Winter Is Coming. Um, John Moxley versus uh, Nick. Uh, oh, I just studied how to say this last name. Uh, Cor. I'm just Comorodo? gonna. Cormerota. Yeah, I believe you're right. I I even studied how to say that today and couldn't remember, but. Um... Yeah, we did uh, you refer to him as Ogre off of uh, Revenge of the Nerds?
1: Revenge of the Nerds, yep. Yeah, Just ogre. from the distance, <laughs> the air, the hair, and his build. I saw him and I went, Oh, hey, <laughs> I mean, he uh, showed some talent though.
0: He did, he did. We saw Cormorodo shove Moxley, and then Moxley did his uh signature headbutt to him. Then Moxley was teeing off with some punches and stomps in the corner, had some big chops on the clothesline. Uh, Moxley in a running cross body. Uh, he's caught in midair and then sit down on the mat. Then we get a shot of QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes watching um, watching Nick from the crowd because he's a student of theirs at the Nightmare Factory. Um, then we see uh, Moxley get uh, choked with the boots, and he gets a, fly, a big flying elbow, a backbreaker, and a second one, but he holds it and uh, pushes down on Moxley. Moxley bites his opponent's face, hits a rolling forearm, big knee to the face. Moxley runs into a neck breaker, the uh, two-count. Uh, Komaroto uh, charges in and his chest first into the corner. Moxley hits him with multiple kicks to the chest, looks for a suplex, but couldn't get it. Moxley then hits a release German suplex. Moxley locks into sleeper, and Komaroto falls back, but Moxley shifts his weight to avoid getting fouled. Uh, Fall on, and that was all she wrote. As Komaroto passed out, which so they beat him, but they didn't have him take the pin.
1: Yeah, and that's how you do it. I mean, when you get a big dominant guy like that, you don't want to have him take a pin on their first big debut match. So you got to find some way to do it. And I always like how AEW does it because a lot of the big guys don't lose to small guys via pin it's always submission and that's nice to see because it shows the little guys look i may not be able to beat you straight out but if i'm quick enough and careful enough
0: i make you submit exactly i i thought for a little bit we might get a uh, bill goldberg over um uh, Hugh Morris, I believe it was in 97, kind of shocked the world because he was getting some offense on it. Uh, and I was thinking, are we going to get a huge upset? But and then I was like, ah, oh yeah, it's Moxley. They're not going to do that. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Mox did cut a really good promo. After the match, he says uh, Wednesdays are getting crazy around here and he can't keep track of who is on which team. He brings up Kenny Omega, bringing his friends from outside places. He does the two sweet. He brings up the Bullet Club, which I think is the 1st time Bullet Club. The actual names have been mentioned on AEW. I'm not sure if he was supposed to do that or technically he can do that, but he did. Uh, Moxley says uh, all of it is – it all is to him is more violence and next need a break. He says the taller the mountain it is, the climb the sweeter it is when he gets to the top. Says people can be brought in from Mexico or Japan, but all roads lead through him.
1: Yeah. And I like the fact that, you know, Kenny is a part of AAA, which is in Mexico. He came from New Japan. It's like, you know, Kenny and Moxley, they're, they're going to face off again. They've got to. And Moxley's mm-hmm. making sure it doesn't matter where you come from, how many guys you bring, it's still you and me, and that's how it's going to be.
0: Do you think that's do we get a rematch at Revolution?
1: I don't know if they'll do it at Revolution or if they'll build it a little more. Um, but I think this would be the first official re, uh, rematch for the title, the world title. Now Cody's right. rematch against Brody Lee, but Brody asked for that one.
0: You're right. You're right. Because Jericho never actually got a rematch for the world title. Um yeah. We did see Eddie Kingston get two shots at it. Yes. But
1: but um, never a rematch as I lost my title, I get a shot at it again.
0: Absolutely correct. Correct. So I, I don't know. I feel like they really gotta start building towards revolution. We're about a month out and we don't know, you know, really who the champion the world champion is going to be defending and i can't imagine with AEW only having four pay-per-views a year i can't imagine having a pay-per-view where the championship doesn't get defended i can't imagine having like kenny and the good brothers in a in a six-way tag for the main event or anything
1: no um i think we're getting that sooner rather than later though
0: (laughs) yeah i think you're right i think you're right but I think they're going to have him defend it. And I, I do think it'll be against Moxley at Revolution. I think that's what they're oh, building towards it, right it's now. It's got to be. Yep. We didn't get a backstage segment. Dasha Dash, Dash Gonzalez uh, tells Eddie Kingston who will face Lance Archer for the first time next week. She asks how he'll prepare for him. Kingston says he doesn't, doesn't prepare. He just fights. Lance Archer shows up and tells Kingston he's ready to fight. He talks some more, but Kingston doesn't want to hear it and talks over him. Jake the Snake Roberts tells Kingston to leave his guys Butcher and blade behind next week and see how he does against Archer on his own.
1: Yeah, you know, we were talking about this last night. Um, Kingston is the king of the active roster on that microphone. But I was really impressed for a guy who didn't talk on the mic at all when he came to the company. Archer's really starting to get, kind of a groove going with that.
0: Yep. I mean, he's got one of the best ever to learn from Jake the snake. So and, it's, yeah. and it's, speaking of Jake, it's great to see him out there. It's great to see him doing better. I know his lungs, he had some uh, lung disease going on. Um, so he's in really bad shape there for, for a little while, the past few months. So it's great to see him, see him back and doing well.
1: So Yeah. And I'm definitely glad he, uh, at least as of yet, hasn't ended up with COVID because I don't want to see that happen to Jake. Yeah, correct. Correct.
0: Another backstage segment. A lot of backstage segments on last night's episode. Another one with yes. Alex Marvez. I told you earlier it wouldn't be the last time we saw Marvez. Uh, he is interviewing Kenny Omega. And he's asked him about what happened at the beach earlier. Omega says he wasn't there and doesn't have a comment. He goes into the locker room, sees Don Callis, face is all bruised up, which – terrible makeup job there. It was like orange makeup on his face. That was just awful looking. But uh, anyways, that's besides the point. Uh, Callous doesn't want Omega to get upset. Kenny wants to know who did that. Callus actually slips up and mentions Matt and Nick Jack, Nick- Matt and Nick Jackson, the Unbucks did it. Omega can't believe it. Marvez tries to get another c- c- comment. <laughs> Callous goes off, kicks him and the cameraman out of the room. I cracked up going back when I watched this because his tone of voice just gets real high what are you doing back here <laughs> get out of here and, oh man he like I said he's good he's he's a good heel it's funny yeah. and marvez is always getting bullied and bossed around it it cracks me up
1: he's been super kicked um at least once that i can think of if not more than once by the young bucks when they were upset for yep. that few weeks so yeah, Alex is a great guy. Though I mean, he he takes it all. He's one of those backstage guys that you enjoy watching because he's willing to do it all.
0: Oh, he's very good at w- what he does. Um, he does a lot of NFL stuff on SiriusXM Radio. He's he's a pro's pro. He's good. He's real good. Yeah, I like him yeah. in this role though better than they when they originally were going to have him as a um as a read side commentator. I, I did I didn't like that yeah. role for him.
1: No, so. no. It wouldn't have worked out well. they picked the perfect role for him.
0: We then get a six-way tag between Top Flight and Matt Seidel versus Private Party and Matt Hardy, Hardy Party. You know, I was really excited about this match, and then I hate saying this about the guy, but seeing Matt Hardy on the card for this match kind of made me uh, less excited than I would have been because all the other five guys are athletic as get out, and Matt at one time was. It's just Father Time and all his injuries have caught up to him to where um yeah i don't know i don't know how he fit in but
1: and even if you look back to at his prime as in the hardy boys jeff was always the one who did the high flying stunts matt didn't do as much he might jump off a ladder but it was always with a leg drop or an elbow drop or something jeff was always the one and even matt has said it you know When everybody thinks of Team Extreme, they think of Jeff. They never think of me. And it's, well, because, Matt, you you didn't do a whole lot.
0: (laughs) Correct. Correct. Uh, What's your take take on Top Flight?
1: Oh, great young tag team. They're going to do fantastic. Um, I like that they were pushed straight to Dynamite, honestly. Um, They still do some stuff occasionally on Dark. But to see them debut right away on Dynamite showed that the young bucks have a lot of faith in them and then to watch them perform. Oh, oh, I mean, they're, they're going to be champions sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. They're um, the sky's the ceiling for these guys. Um, Athletic young. I mean, they're only 19 and 19 and 21. So, I mean, that's, that's insane. I, I do wish they would have them stop losing though. I feel like they're losing too much as of late, but.
1: Yes, they they definitely need to get a couple wins under their belts. But of course, you know at the same time, Cutler went how long with nothing but losses, and the fans love him.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to put Brandon Cutler in the same comparison, though the top fly. But I know I know what you're saying. Well, but also at the same time, the private party. You got to remember they beat the Young Bucks on one of the very first episodes of Dynamite. So. It's time they start winning yep. some matches, too, and they're in that story with Impact, so you got to make them look strong. So I get it. Um, oh, yeah. This match was a little all over the place. There was some sloppy moments, but there was a lot of uh, high-flying action. Quinn and Dante start things off. Lots of drop kicks land from multiple wrestlers. Uh, slow start for Private Party, but then Private Party eventually get control, and they work over to Sidell Seidel finally finds a window, hits a double hurricanrana, and uh, Private Party, on private party uh, tags in Darius who lands a strike and kicks and then a Spanish, a beautiful Spanish fly. Hardy tries uh, for the twist of fate, but gets sent out to the floor. Darius hits one of the hardest suicide dives I've ever seen in my life. Knocks Hardy into the barricade. And I thought, I thought Matt was hurt again. I'm like, these young guys are going to kill Matt yeah. Hardy. <laughs> um, uh, back in the rain. Um, you see Isaiah Cassidy uh, going for a silly shrink. Doesn't get it. Dante goes for a pin, gets a two count. Darius tags in. Cassidy's able to counter two moves, then tags in Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy hits a side effect on Darius. Then uh then one on, on Dante. Seidel gets up on the top rope, leaps, leaps. Hardy puts him uh puts him down. Triple cover by Hardy, but only a two-count. Quinn and Seidel are in the ring. Uh kick, kicks quit. Uh, kicks Quinn in the head. Top fight clears Cassidy. And Hardy off the ropes, big big corner clotheslines on Mark Quinn, uh, Dante with a rough looking hurricana. Yeah, that that was not 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 a good one. Cover for a two count. Quinn and Dante are up on the top rope. Uh, then then we see uh, why the ref's distracted. Isaiah Casty with a chair shot Dante's midsection, and. Uh, that leads to Quinn hitting a shooting star press for the 1-2-3 post-match. We see Private Party attack Seidel in top flight. Matt Hardy hits a couple twists of fates on some, guys, some of the guys and then celebrates with Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy. I think we finally got the Private Party heel turn.
1: Yeah, uh, they definitely got that by any means necessary down. And, you know, it was such a quick turnaround too, like we were talking a little bit earlier tonight even in BTE, they, they didn't want to do that by any means necessary. And then something just flipped and they said, it's time to do it.
0: Yep. But of course- I, oh, go ahead. I like it. I think it freshens them up. Um, I think they're great young athletes, but they were starting to get a little stale for me.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I absolutely agree. But uh, I've got to say my favorite part of that match actually wasn't a move. It was right after Matt Hardy pulled the triple pin and got the two count. They say, well, oh, that was that was three two counts. And JR goes, yeah, that means it was six.
0: <laughs> JR was <Just> the- <laughs> on it last night. He, uh, yeah. I can never tell. I mean, because he's, he's not trying to be a character, I can't tell when he's ticked or when he's just being JR. And sometimes I'm like, get off your high horse, JR. And the other times I love it. There was a little mix of both last night. Um I don't know. I think he loves the product but at the same time I think he hates the product. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think um some of these interviews have even kind of led that way. He he likes doing it but he doesn't like it anymore at the same
0: time. I I would be surprised in a sense. I think his contract runs up at the end of 2022. It wouldn't shock me if he's not back after that.
1: Right. Right. And I think that's why they've got the three man team going right now just kind of training Excalibur a little bit more, in my opinion.
0: Oh, yeah. Excalibur is fantastic. So Shivani. I love Shivani. I loved him growing up. I mean, I love JR, too. But um, And then Taz is amazing on commentary, too, whenever he's on. So is Jericho, yes. which I think Jericho could fit in there once he's done in the ring. So Yep. Uh, backstage, speaking of Jericho, uh, inner circle, we get MJF and Wardlow talking with Santana, Ortiz, Sammy, and Jake Hager. MJF says it was up to him. Uh, they he wouldn't do this match tonight. MGF says Jericho's the leader, so what he says goes Sammy then gets up in mGF's face and says if we're up to him, things would be very different. Sammy is held back. MGF cools things down and says let's just go out there and finish things off. mGF fist bumps three guys. Sammy says they aren't there yet
1: yeah there, there's definitely something building between MJF and Sammy. We've seen it since MJF said he wanted to be a part of the inner circle. We even really saw it in a sense before then. And when it happens, it's going to happen and it's going to be fantastic.
0: Oh, I can't wait. Sammy's top five, if not top three of my favorites in AW. And I think he's, I, I I like the comparison JR makes of him to younger Eddie Guerrero. I think that's all, yes. spot on. So, um, Yeah, I can't see where. I can't wait to see where he goes and where the story goes. The story is so complex, complex and uh, intriguing from the inner circle. So many directions they could go.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, and like I told you last night during the show, I think they hit almost all of them before inner circles done with their run.
0: Yes. Yes. So then we uh, get a matchup of a. Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian, Miro and Chuck Taylor or Charles, as they're calling him now that he is Miro's personal butler. They're going with the butler term instead of young boy, which I think just sounds better because um, that young yes. boy thing was kind of weird. Um, Penelope Ford's against Layla Hirsch, who stands at a whopping four foot eleven, but I would not mess with her. She is a fantastic amateur wrestler, and she could whoop you. Um, yeah. They start off with uh, with a shot of Orange Cassidy looking on from the crowd as, as Charles, I'm going to call him, it's that trick, Taylor, comes out with the Butler uh, outfit on. Um, back and forth match, uh, Layla Hirsch heads the second rope towards the end. Uh, Penelope Ford trips her up, hits an axe kick, uh, or goes for an axe kick, misses. Hirsch hits a big clothesline. Hirsch with a step-up flip out to take out Sabian and, and Taylor. Um, as she gets in the ring, uh, Penelope hits a uh, – pump kick to the face and a cover Sabian holds down Hirsch's boot. So she couldn't kick out, which is a really for engine and Penelope got the three counts, a really screwy finish. I don't know if that went as smoothly as they had yeah. hoped.
1: No, um, I I don't think cause even commentary mentioned something about Penelope being on the ropes. And uh, I, I think they kind of slipped up on that finish somehow. I,
0: I did too. Um, and after the match, we get Miro telling uh, telling Charles that, uh, or he, he calls in Charles and he wants an update. Uh, he tells uh, he tells Taylor that he can take him to new heights, but he has to let go of the past. Miro tells Charles he needs to let Orange Ca- Cassidy know that Miro is his best friend now. Charles, in his tuxedo, takes the mic, um, and he really doesn't want to say it, but he says it with. His eyes pointing down that Miro is now his best friend. Orange Cassie looks somewhat saddened at what Taylor's dealing with. Cassie then walks up the, the the stairs of the of the um arena.
1: But did Orange actually look sad? I mean he he didn't really show much more of a different face than normal. So it's kinda of hard Never to tell know if he was truly sad or
0: what. I I'm sorry, man. I, I can't get in the storyline. I cannot. I like no. Miro. I think I, I just don't like the character they got him. In. I can't get into Nick, uh, Kip Sabian. I think he's athletic, but he just, he and even Penelope, they, they seem like better fits for WWE. And I hate saying that.
1: Yep. And you know, it was really interesting during the segment when Charles was in the ring after the match, um, they kind of try to tread carefully when mentioning superstars, significant others who were in other companies. But I mean, they just straight out with it last night. Can you imagine uh, Miro's wife using Charles as a footrest? And I'm like, where, where did that even come from?
0: At least she didn't mention her getting thrown through a table. So yeah, (laughs) like she, she was every week when she was on TV before she uh, took time off. So, yes. um, yeah, this is going to lead to uh, Miro versus Orange Cassidy at Revolution, right?
1: It's got to. I mean, what other storyline? You can't do I, anything with Trent.
0: I guess you could do a a tag between Charles and Orange somehow against Miro and Sabian. That's boring, I think. I, I think we'll see something yeah. at beach break during the wedding in two weeks. But I think it's Miro versus Orange Cassidy. If Orange Cassidy wins... Charles becomes Chuck Taylor again and doesn't have to serve Miro, but Miro wins. I don't know. It's something like he says butler for life or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and it won't be just a normal, you know, match. There will be some weird stipulation like there was with Orange and Jericho's final match.
0: Sure. Sure. So then we go backstage and we see the Good Brothers are beating up Pinta. Uh, they throw him into the garage door. Then Kenny Omega and Don Callis show up. Omega joins in on the beatdown. Omega's wearing some really fancy outfit. Um, then we see Carl Anderson choke Pinta with a cable. Omega hits, pit, hits Pinta with his fancy boots, then jams the point of the boot into Pinta's eye. As uh, they walk away, Callus yells, no, no es bueno, and laughs as the group leaves. Yeah. Which I texted you after that happened, and I thought we were going to get... Lucha Bros and Pac versus the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. And I was saying, take my money. But uh, we're getting a different match, which I'll explain here in just a bit. Uh, we then get a graphic for next week's Dynamite. Uh, we got Jungle Boy with Lucha Source and Marco Stump versus Dex Harwood with Cash Wheeler and Tully Blanchard. Like I said, that's going to be a really good one. So is Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer. Cody's going to be responding to Shaq's comments from a few weeks back. And we get the AEW World Tag Team Champion, the Young Bucks, and the Impact World Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, so the new Elite, versus Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order. It's going to be interesting to see if the Bucks and the Good Brothers can coexist.
1: Like I told you last night, right after that popped up, I said, "This is it. They either need to get on the same page, or the club's done. The elite will be over."
0: Yep, um, I I got a I got a sense of the direction they're going to go, but I'm I'm willing to wait to see next week to see what happens. So yeah, and then in two weeks at the big. Uh, Big Dynamite, the Beach Break, they're calling it this year. Uh, we got the wedding of Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian. We got Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker with uh, with uh, Reba, which has been going on. That story has been going on for weeks now. And then we got the Tag Team Battle Royale, Royale which the uh, winner is going to face the AEW Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks at Revolution. And then we get the six-way tag main event of Jon Moxley, Ray Phoenix, and Pack. Versus Kenny Omega and Carl Anderson and in and Doc Gallows. I always want to call him Luke Doc, Luke Gallows, but Doc, I guess. <laughs>
1: Is it Doc now? I'm, uh, I'm that's kidding.
0: what my notes says, but I can't remember if it, was, if it was Gallows. I just call him Gallows usually because I don't know if it's Doc or Luke. Yeah, or, yep. yeah, so. And
1: and I I gotta ask you if you remember this. Uh, do you remember the Straight Edge Society?
0: Yes, I wasn't watching. I don't if I was watching, I wasn't watching very closely at the time, but yeah, with CM Punk and um, Serena Deeb and, and Gallows. Yep. Yes. Yep.
1: And then um, uh, of course I, I love the fact that the original character that Gallows came in as was Festus.
0: Yeah, that was awful. I do remember that. I was, I was watching and That was terrible.
1: Yes. And that's why I love the fact that they put this big twist on it oh, well, you know, you, your family drugged you, and that's why the way you were, come with me, and, and then we got yeah. to see some actual Gallows, and then he went back to New Japan, and it's just, he's sword sense. So, I'm, I'm really excited to see this six-man tag match. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, is the bad blood between Mox and Pac gone? I mean, is their Pac going to interfere?
0: <laughs> I don't know and you and, know and Pax had the pass with Kenny so um, yep. yeah so it's going to be interesting I, I'm really looking forward to that that's going to be a banner of a match for sure oh yeah so, then we get our uh, our main event to see who's going to be the official tag team of the inner circle Chris Jericho and MJF versus Santana and Ortiz uh, proud and powerful and Sammy Hager Jake Hager and Sammy Guevara so, Who got um, a special shout
1: out from Sammy Hagar at the beginning That was, that
0: was neat Now that I know who he is I got him last week <laughs> I had no idea what they were talking about So <laughs> Over my head there But now I know Um Yes What did you think of Jericho and MJF's entrance? Kind of the entrance music was a combination of both of their themes
1: I, I'm glad we still got uh, the crowd singing Judas Because that has been the one thing with Jericho that we never saw when he was in WWE,
0: even you in know, WCW. You know when they can have full arenas, that's going to be the first thing on the episode, right? Oh,
1: yeah. When they get that full arena again, the show's kicking off with Jericho for whatever reason, up, even if he's, he's just going to come out to say
0: hi. He's kicking he's off. You don't let the commentators speak at all. You play the whole song. It'd be just yep. unbelievable. It'd be an unbelievable moment.
1: Oh yeah, and I think they're gonna do it as soon as they get that
0: packed again. So uh, this match was a no DQ match, and uh, anybody could tag anyone in the match. Um, we start off with Jericho tagging in to face Sammy. Sammy has some big, big chops to Jericho. Uh, then he uh, flips out of the way and lands a drop kick. He then hits a clothesline. Jericho's out on the floor. Sammy looks to fly, but does a backflip in the ring, does a little dance move. Jericho looks on from the floor and gets back in the ring. Uh, a lot of other action happens, but then Jericho tries out, uh, lion salt. It was the worst one I've ever seen him Whoa, try. Now that, that could have been really bad. I'm hoping he goes for it next weekend and really perfects it because that was, that was ugly. Um, Ortiz gets a blind tag in. Ortiz and Santana drop Jericho for the two counts. Jericho then nails Ortiz with a code breaker uh, for the two counts. Ortiz uh, then with a double DDT on MJF and Jericho. Hager tags in, hits a Hager bomb on MJF. and I I do love the spot where uh, Jericho had Floyd and Hager just laid him out, and then MJF had the diamond ring. Hager laid them out. They're making Hager look really strong. Uh, Sammy tags in and nails a sw- uh, senton on MGF. This is a beautiful senton for the cover, but Ortiz breaks it up. Hager and Ortiz are sent to the outside. Sammy hits the GTH on Jericho and nails it on a bunch of the other guys. Sammy looks to take down MGF, but MGF ends up hitting Wardlow off the apron. MGF then rolls up Sammy and grabs the tights for the one, two, three, as the show literally goes off the air seven seconds later.
1: Yeah. Very rushed finish. Um, Sammy missed at least once in his little run of things there. I mean, he hit it, but it wasn't to the full extent that he was hoping for. Um, but again, you know, I give AEW a lot of credit. They, they'll they let that slide. They won't even bring it up next week. If they do, Sammy will say, you know what? I may have not hit all of it, but I hit enough. But yep. um, yeah, I definitely think. It goes back to what we were talking with the backstage segment. There's a buildup with Sammy and MJF coming. And MJF pinning Sammy last night. I didn't want to see it go that way, but it had to go that way.
0: Yep, I think we're either going to see MJF against Sammy at Revolution or we're going to see uh, MJF and Jericho win the Battle Royal in two weeks and face the Bucks for the Tactiles at Revolution. I don't know which way they're going to go yet.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I was really surprised, uh, like we were talking during the match and leading up to it. Santana and Ortiz were on the in the rankings. They were number five. So to see them lose, you know, I I haven't seen the updated. I don't think they've updated yet and won't again until next week but does that put Jericho and MJF now at number five or is there a new team there? What are we going to see
0: with that? I I, I bet we see Jericho and MJF up there in the top five. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. There's so many good storylines going on with the inner circle. And uh, I still, I think a lot of them are going to go their separate ways eventually, but I do think we will get a run in there sometime in 2021 where we see MJF as the new leader of the inner circle. Kind of like when the rock took over the nation from Verruc.
1: Yep. Yep. Jericho, whether it be an injury or just decides to take time off for Fozzie, uh, MJF will fill in for him while he's gone. Yep.
0: And Jericho will be babyface. I think him and Sammy, yep. unless they really pull a swerve and Sammy's the one to drive the knife in Jericho's back.
1: I could see it happening. Um, but again, I think it'll be after him and
0: MJF face off. Yep. I think you're right. So, well, that's going to do it, I think, for the first episode of the Kicking Out podcast. Please give us a like uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast at and subscribe. Yeah. Um, look for more content from us on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on there at Kicking Out Pod. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and our Twitch channel. So, we're going to be streaming these hopefully live around eight o'clock Eastern time every Thursday. That's the plan for now. Some weeks' schedule could. Could change a little bit, but we'll let you know on our social media platforms. And uh, until next week, um, have a great end of your week and weekend, everybody. And stay safe. And we'll see you next week. See you next week.